2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This guy is
3: a machine. All he does is work out and pick winners.
4: Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down
3: by 12.
4: They're on the 45 yard line with no timeouts.
5: Oregon's got an All American field goal kicker.
4: Why didn't somebody tell me? Chicago Sports Betting. Touchdown
3: Ohio State there are some folks who are celebrating oh, no. Oh, no. and others who are saying you've got to be kidding kind of know what i'm thinking about over or under under would be the key word
5: Good morning, broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. It's early odds once again. Our buddy Rick Camp will be here in about 20 to preview the remainder of the NBA Finals. But baseball is back for the second half, so let's start there. Just two weeks away from the deadline, and the Cubs activity has begun by dealing Jock Peterson to the Braves. Odyssey MLB insider John Heyman all over these Cub Nuggets. He tweets that there are signs the Cubs are looking to lock up Baez and Rizzo before talking trades, while Brian and Kimbrell are on the block. Heyman also says the Nats are among many teams said interested in KB, but it's uncertain if there's a prospect match there. If you're a Cubs fan, even slightly, paying attention to your squad over the last number of years, none of this is surprising. Since the championship season, We've been talking about Baez versus Bryant. Which one are you going to keep? And we're still having that same conversation in 2021, nearing the deadline, and it appears the Cubs are making their choice. I think the wrong choice, but I also don't feel that they should have to choose, but that's a layered conversation. They failed as an organization in too many other areas. So they do have to choose, it appears. I did find the following surprising, though. Here's Heyman with myself and Cody Decker on BetQL Daily discussing potential landing spots for Chris Bryant.
3: You know, when he didn't sign that $200 million offer a couple years ago, I think they should have understood, and Chris Bryant probably understands at least, that, you know, that's part of the uh, deal when you don't sign the deal. So uh chris bryant is uh one of several he's not the only one he's one of i would say four all-stars who are very very likely to be traded and you could throw kibble in there as well but uh, i think cruz and escobar and frazier are also very likely to be traded um and i I do think bryant will go somewhere um they were unable to get a deal with him i don't think they're going to try again at this point i think He's one of those players who likes the idea of free agency. Nothing wrong with that. And, you know, the Mets are a perfect fit. They're, that's the team that's interested. And uh, there are several other teams, from what I understand, that are interested. One curiously that I heard was the Dodgers. I'm going to have to look into that because I'm not sure how he fits the Dodgers. They have a very good third baseman. They have Bellinger and Betts uh, and Pollock and others in the outfield. I mean, Bryant plays any position, basically, except shortstop and catcher. And probably second base, maybe a little tall for second base. But um, I'm not sure how he fits there. But I think there are a lot of teams who are going to show interest in him. With an expiring contract, which is generally thought to be a a positive. And uh, the fact that he's so versatile um, that he could play for almost any team. Basically out there.
5: The Dodgers? The Dodgers? Come on. Heyman with me on BetQL Daily weekdays, 8 to 11 a.m. on the Odyssey app and 105.9 FM HD2, 105.9 FM HD2. I was not expecting to hear Heyman rattle off the Dodgers among the teams. Very interested in Chris Bryant. I guess the rich get richer if that goes down. Um, None of us figured the Kimbrough Watch would bring back the most, but here we are. This is 2021. All week on BetQL Daily, we've been going division by division, looking ahead to the second half. I broke down the central divisions with my co-host, Joe Giglio. Uh, Let's start on the south side with the first-place team. Uh, For the White Sox, they are your leader. They are a hefty leader. They have an eight-game lead at the break, 54-35, and a run differential of plus 117. And Joe G., there is not another team in the American League Central with a positive run differential. So I don't know. Where do we look? You, you don't want to look at the division odds because that's cashed with their eight-game lead and all the talents and wait till they actually get everybody healthy, like Aloy, who's on his way back, and Luis Robert later on in the season. They're minus 2,500 to win the division on points bet. The Indians 10 to one and the other teams plus 10,000. They're 100 to one for uh, for the other teams. Do we have to go to the win total, or is there a chance that Cleveland can put something together and make the postseason? They are four games back of the wildcard spot. Well, Cleveland's interesting, uh, the postseason
7: idea, and, and if they could get some offense to go with their pitching, and if Shane Bieber comes back. But as far as the White Sox, you're right. There's no point in taking the division. If, if you don't have it already, just step away. But I think their over-under for wins is interesting now. So it's, it's been reset at 93 and a half. So you can find it at 93 and a half. They are right now 54-and-35. Mm-hmm. So the question really, Joe, becomes this. Do they try to get home field advantage in the playoffs? Is this going to be important to Tony La Russa? Is it going to be important to the Chicago White Sox? Because you look right now
5: Jerry at,
7: <laughs> at the winning percentages in the American League, right? Mm-hmm. White Sox 607. Red Sox 604 Astros 604 this is a wide open race for home field which also comes with the um, ability to take on the wild card team which I don't think is a gigantic advantage but here's what it is whoever that wild card team is right let's say it's um let's say it's the Red Sox and the Blue Jays in that game let's just for, for argument's sake right those teams have to use their number one guy so maybe Robbie Ray or, or Ryu goes for the Blue Jays, whoever you want to say for the Red Sox. Nathan Evaldi has to go in that game, right? So that guy is out for at least, I would say, probably till game three of the divisional round. There is an inherent advantage of, of being that team that takes on the team that comes out of the wild card game. Yeah. I don't think the White Sox are going to need to get over their number to win the division. It's a matter of, Joe, do they try? Do they keep trying to win games in late September? Because that's how they're going to get over 93 wins.
5: What would you rather do? Let's say you're the two. You end up being the two, which means you you face the three in the American League, the team that won the division uh, with the worst record. Or would you go against the wild card team, which at the time, let's assume it's Tampa. Tampa after they're number one and they've already lost their number one, their true number one for the season.
7: Yeah, I'd I'd rather face Tampa, right? They're down a, a couple pitchers, and and you and obviously you have home field advantage as well. If I, if I was in the American League, if I was the Astros, White Sox, or, or Red Sox, or whoever's coming out of these, I would try. I would try to get this home field advantage. I think the White Sox will. It strikes me as a Reinsdorf, La Russa, feather in the cap. Let's go get it. Let's get the number one seed. I, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see how this plays out in,
5: in September. But I would think they're going to try. They're going to add. And Jerry Reinsdorf wants to be proven right uh, by hiring Tony La Russa. Some would say he already has. And the biggest deal of it all, Joe, they want to put themselves in the best position to succeed and going for it, going for that one seed. I I agree with you, would do that. And Reinsdorf wants a title before he dies. I mean, let's be real. At this stage in his life, what if it takes a few years? If it takes a few years, he might not be here. So he wants to see it. The reason the number is set at 93 and a half is because Fangraphs projects them at 93. In most of these situations, they're just following along with the projections if I had to bet, if I had to bet, I probably wouldn't do it. But if I had to, I'd go over 93 and a half. They have 73,
7: uh, 73 games together. They play 89 games. So there's 73 games to go. It would take, what, 40
5: and 33? That feels very doable. In this division, they're killed, and they are kill these teams. The yeah. bottom feeders, they crush them. They've dominated the Twins. And, of course, uh, the Tigers and Royals, yeah, I, I would go over 93 and a half. You
7: mentioned the, uh, the Indians to start us off here along with the White Sox. So I don't think there's a chance the Indians come back and win the division. I I, I just don't think they have the horses this year. They don't they can't hit enough. Yeah. Pitching injuries. But their over/unders 81 and a half. They're 45 and 42. They will get some of these guys back. I mean, could you see it I'm in mean, a Terry Francona team going under 500. It's like just they they roll out of bed and they win 82 games. They they roll out of bed and they usually have winning records.
5: So we were talking about uh, some markets, like in the American League, so we went over the Yankees and how you're the Yankees. You can't sell when you're just a few games back. Cleveland, four and a half games back from the wild card. If I'm that organization and I'm looking at what I have and there are some metrics you look at that would suggest that the Indians have the best bullpen in all of baseball this year, I sell. What are you going to win this year? You're not close to the White Sox right now. You teased everybody a few different times with some good stretches and you had a terrible stretch at the end of the first half. You're not going to catch them for the division. You're going to buy, you're going to buy your future, some prospects for the possibility of a coin flip wild card game. Why not sell off? If you have a top bullpen, that is what every team in the mix is looking for at the deadline. They're going to overspend for it. Why not? You don't have the hitting. This has been the issue for the last few years. You're bottom five every category. Just forget it. You're not going anywhere. Just bolster the future by selling off pieces from the pen. Yeah, I would too. I, now They always do this when they have to, right? This is
7: the Cleveland's way that they keep a player until they have to move him. He's about to get expensive. He's about to go uh, walk away like the Lindor thing. So w- would you go a step further? Would you put Jose Ramirez in the market? He has two option years left. He's the most cost-efficient star in baseball. I, I, I don't mean a guy just came up from the minor leagues, all right? a guy that's established. He's the most cost-effective, established star in baseball. He's got two option years left. They think the White Sox, this is their division for the next two years.
5: I mean, the window it, just opened up for the White Sox.
7: Right. Forget anybody else in the trade market. Forget Joey Gallo. Forget Chris Bryant as a rental. If you put three pennant races of Jose Ramirez on the market, every team bites. Every team. Which team would not... I mean, the next couple of years, he makes like, what, six million bucks? Ten million bucks? <laughs> He's, it's crazy.
5: And with him in the lineup, what are you doing? Because you've, can't su- score. you've surrounded him with absolutely nothing. Yes, I would do that. I would absolutely sell. And uh, I would look at Ramirez. Okay, after those option years are up, are you bringing him back? No. So It's going to be a Lindor situation all over again. What's the point of waiting it off? Okay, you have Bieber, and you don't want to waste those Bieber years. I get it. You also had some other starters that you no longer have. Uh, Do you think you're going to win a championship in the next two years? That's what they they have to look at themselves in the mirror and answer that question at the end of the month. Uh, Joe G., is there more intrigue in the other central, in the National League Central? Four-game lead. For the Milwaukee Brewers, a run differential of plus 46. Hey, we have a second team with a positive run differential. That is the Cincinnati Reds. They are four games back in the division, three and a half games back in the wild card. Will the Redlegs be adding? That's the big question uh, come trade deadline.
7: Yeah, it's interesting. I was just thinking about this as we did the last division. Now we're into the NL Central. Joe, I feel like, and you mentioned, when you look at the projections, the win totals, they, they really just kind of base it on the projections as of right now. And I, I think there's some opportunity here, if you can guess along with the trade market, mm-hmm. on taking some of these teams. And, and we'll get to the Cubs, but their numbers, win total is still pretty high. If they have the sell-off everyone's anticipating, they're not going to get to that number. They're just not. And it does open up opportunities for teams down the stretch like the Reds. And look at their schedule right now. There's a lot of Pirates in there down the stretch of the season, a lot of Cubs down the stretch of the season. I don't particularly think the Reds are that good of a team. But if three teams in this division either stink or are not trying, isn't there opportunity for a second team to just win extra games down the stretch of the season? And the Reds are that team now.
5: A fun note for you. I don't know if you if you notice. I did when I was looking at this, the strength of schedules. Good point here with the Cubs and Reds coming up. Uh, the Cubs have the second easiest schedule. In baseball, the Reds have the third easiest. Obviously, a lot of games within the division. The Phillies have the easiest schedule moving forward in all of baseball. We were talking about them at plus 500 to win the NL East yesterday. I thought that was interesting. Yes, it is. And they and they've had one of the toughest in the first half.
7: So it gives them mm-hmm. some hope here in the second half of the season. Cincinnati's over under 84 and a half. It feels high because I don't think they're a very good team, but it's a tough one to bet. I, I, if you tell me right now they won 85 games, I'm not gonna be shocked. They hit, and they're in a t- division with three teams that aren't very good. What's happening with Sonny Gray? I'd uh, he, like to well, know. He's killing my fantasy team. I know that <laughs> every three weeks I got to deal with something. <laughs> I don't know what's going. on. He's always hurt. He would uh-huh. if they fell out of it. He was. I thought he would be a great trade deadline chip, but now he's hurt and they're in it. So can they? I mean, they, can they pitch enough? Is the question. Their bullpen is a disaster. Their rotation is up and down uh, and injured. The one thing about the Reds is they hit, and they're trying, which I I give them. Do we give credit for trying these days because everyone else is selling?
5: Yeah, you kind of do, actually, because half the league is not trying. Maybe even more than half the league is not going to be trying at all. They should buy Mm -hmm. because you're the Cincinnati Reds and you need some relief help. Uh, You have bottom five, bottom six bullpen in the game, and you have a top ten offense, even though they they do have issues going against left-handed pitching. But you have a top ten offense. When healthy, the rotation is pretty good. You need Sonny Gray to stay healthy. Never know if that's going to happen. Uh, defense, eh, not not so great. They trend towards the bottom of the league. But I understand why the win total is 84.5, even though they're projected for only 83 wins. I do expect them to, to help that bullpen a little bit. They should. They should. It's not like the Milwaukee Brewers are this uh, juggernaut that you have no shot at catching in a half of a season. Joe, it's Milwaukee's division. They're the best team. That
7: run they went on, what was it, about two weeks ago, that that basically ended the division right there. The, the Cubs lost all those games. They won all of them, and it was like, it's over.
5: Yeah, I mean, we can pick on the Brewers about their offense, and it is inconsistent, but they have elite starting pitching. They have elite relief pitching. And something that doesn't get discussed enough, they have really good defense. Mm-hmm. So if you're giving me three of those four that I'm top 10 in baseball, maybe top five in some of them, I'm good, especially in the NL Central.
7: Their over under Wintel is only eight, 88 and a half. I like the over. I don't think they're going to win 95, but
5: yeah. 89, 90 wins. Well, Cubs, Cardinals, Pirates all selling, right? Yes. Okay. A lot of games against those teams moving forward. They don't have uh, schedules that are as easy as the Cubs and Reds, but it's going to be fairly easy. Minus 445 to win the division, 88.5, as you said, for the win total. Uh, make the playoffs minus 425, almost as high as the division odds. They're good. They're good. Maybe the conversation around this division is really about how good are the Brewers. Are they World Series good? Can Can they take out these top teams in the National League? Cubs under 70, was it 79.5? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it has to be. I actually believe them this time. Jed Hoyer is pretty much close to saying it. Yeah, we're, we're going to sell these pieces, and it, it'll be multiple pieces. It won't be everyone. Uh, they're not going to trade Rizzo. They they want to make him a lifetime Cub, even though they haven't been able to agree on some sort of a contract. And I think it's stupid, but uh, it seems like internally they've made the decision bias over Bryant. Uh, argument for the Cubs win total under. Jake Arrieta is still in the roster. <laughs> I love his quote after the game last week against the Phillies when he said he, still wa- he sees his stuff.
7: He sees the stuff of other pitchers in baseball. He knows he's still one of the best out there. Oh, Jake. my God. Jake,
5: buddy. I ca- I do respect that, though. Like, the greats in the game, you have to have that mentality. I respect it. And at one point, he was at the top of the mountaintop. I know. The problem is he's taking a free fall down the side.
7: Yeah, it, It's one thing to have confidence and to project that. But if I go into a room of NBA players and I say, I'm the tallest guy here, just look around. No, I can't see. Like, I'm not. I'm one of the <laughs> smallest guys there. It, like, you got to have some self-awareness, Jake.
5: Keep trotting them out there every fifth day. It gives us an opportunity to bet against the Cubs in the second half of the season. A look at the second half for the National League and American League Central Divisions on BetQL Daily. Weekdays, 8 to 11 a.m. on 105.9 FM HD2, 105.9 FM HD2 The Bet, and also the Odyssey app. Let's hit on some hoops. Campy keeps on crushing the NBA player props. Let's talk finals next. Rick Camp drops by. You've got early odds with Joe Ostrowski, Saturdays 8 to 9 a.m. on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. Call from mom. Answer it.
0: Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
0: Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
4: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.
5: We've got early odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670, this score, and the Odyssey app every single Saturday morning. NBA Finals continues. Yeah, it's back, even though it's taken like four, five, six weeks to finish. Game five tonight, Suns favored by four against the Bucks. A total of 218 domination by the home teams throughout so far uh, through four games. The home team and the favorite, 4-0 straight up. 4-0 against the spread. Will that continue this evening? Well, let's bring in our friend Rick Camp on the Circus Sports Hotline, Circa Resort, and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbook. Follow Rick on Twitter. You probably already do. At Rick C. Camp, at Rick C. Camp. Producer for You Better, You Bet on the BetQL Network. Writer at 4 has you covered with the player props. And next week, he is your host for this show, Early odds, Rick Camp. Appreciate you doing that. Uh, when I uh,
8: get a little time off, break away a little bit. Absolutely, I'm happy that I get the chance to do it. You know, as much as I've been breaking into uh, the sports betting space in the last couple of years, I love getting the opportunity to a preview for next week. Get to go outside of my comfort zone a little bit, and the NFL is getting close, and training camps uh-huh. are going to be underway. So, going to probably do some NFL win total stuff and maybe some player prop stuff on the NFL side next week. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm with you as
5: we uh, turn out the light on the 2021 NBA season. It's time to get ready. Camp's almost here. NFL and college football. So Rick will have you covered next week, 8 to 9 a.m. right here on Sports Radio 670, the score. Game five tonight. But let's talk about what's what's occurred in the first four games. Are you surprised we are going back to Phoenix, tied 2-2, Such drastic splits with the home and road stuff. And Giannis is the favorite to be the NBA Finals MVP. Are you shocked by that?
8: I'm a little surprised. Now, pre-series, I picked Phoenix to win the series four games too. So the fact that it's 2-2 isn't the most surprising thing to me. The thing that surprised me is just how different each team has looked on the road versus home. And the fact that Giannis is the favorite at this point from pre-series is a huge deal because, I mean, we weren't sure if we were getting any Giannis at all. What's a little bit interesting to me is if you look at the Milwaukee series odds versus Giannis's finals MVP odds, they're baking in just a little bit now for the possibility if Phoenix wins, and I could only assume this would only happen if this game goes seven, Mm -hmm. that Giannis could be the MVP in a losing fashion, which is the first time I've seen that baked into the line at all, I still think it's an extremely small possibility, and I wouldn't bet on that. Like, with that thought in mind, if Milwaukee wins, now it's better to bet on Milwaukee versus Giannis to win MVP because the odds are a little bit longer there because the books are baking in that little bit for Giannis to possibly be an MVP in a Phoenix win in Game 7, which, like I said don't expect.
5: Yeah, they are doing that. Where I stand in on it is I still think the MVP is going to come from the winning team, and I'm still saying, okay, if it's Suns, it's going to be Chris Paul, because if the Suns win the championship, Chris Paul's going to have to turn his series around a bit, and if Giannis, it's not even a conversation unless there's that small chance that Middleton has another or maybe pair of 40-point games in Bucks wins, but I I still don't see him taking it away from Giannis. You are right. I I did think back to the year when LeBron was getting support when Andre Iguodala won the NBA Finals MVP, which still bothers some people for the Warriors. Steph Curry did not get any first place votes that year. It goes to Iguodala, and if memory serves, there were eleven voters. Seven went to Iguodala, four went to LeBron, and, and I wonder if if that's changed. At all. If we would have enough momentum behind Giannis, if this goes seven games, Suns win, but it isn't obvious between Booker and Paul which one should be the MVP. I mean, we have to go back to where we started. We didn't think Giannis
8: was going to be available for at least the first couple of games. Right. I think for that to ha- to even have the slimmest of possibilities, Giannis would need to average over these last three games probably like 38 to 40 at least is what he would need to average points-wise. Need to average probably 14 to 15 boards and 5-plus assists. I mean, that's what we're talking about. Because that 2015 Finals, I heard this today, and I'm pretty sure this was over the course of the series, who the second-leading scorer was for the Cavaliers in that series. Oh, jeez. I won't be able to pull that name. Go ahead. How about Timofey Mozgov? We could have been sitting here an hour. I wouldn't have landed on he that. He had a game where he scored 29 jeez like that's how much lebron was dominating in that series so yeah i even though we criticize drew holiday and middleton at times as
5: we should like Giannis has a much much better supporting cast than lebron did
8: by far they were starting Mazgov and della vadova
5: yeah i agree with you the team that wins will have the mvp are you with me on the chris paul Notion, Because I was hearing, you know, prisoner of the moment. We always uh, remember what we saw last and overreacted that a little bit. The same people that were killing Devin Booker for his 10-point performance were now like, oh, yeah, see, Booker, 40-plus points. He's your MVP if the Suns win, not Chris Paul. Are you with me that it's still CP3? Yeah,
8: because for the Suns to win, Chris Paul can't play as bad as he did that last game. I mean, no. so many things in Game 4 went so far against Phoenix That it doesn't take a whole lot for them to win an individual game. Chris Paul can play average for him. Like if we're talking 18 and eight, something like that, but his turnovers are down and the offense looks more efficient, the credit is going to be given to Chris Paul. So he will win that. Like it would take Devin Booker putting up a couple, like 50 burgers or something, to have the possibility of winning the MVP and. You know, Aiton's been a pretty good bellwether for when he plays well, they win. However, he's not going to get that because offensively he's so dependent on Paul and Booker that it's going to be Chris Paul. So, yeah, as I sit here with, uh, with a Phoenix ticket and a Chris Paul ticket, I'm feeling pretty good. I haven't hedged as of yet. Maybe I do before tip of game five, but... At this point, I'm feeling pretty solid still about my Phoenix ticket and my Chris Paul to win MVP, which maybe that was done by me to put in both because, like we've mentioned, if Phoenix is winning, it's going to be Chris Paul, so why have both?
5: Well, there is that chance that Booker gets it. And if you want to jump on Booker, the third favorite right now, you can. The problem is the value really went way down um, after game number four. All right, we've got the Suns favored by four, total of 218. Uh, This total has been rock solid throughout Every game seems to be a sweat with the total. Never quite safe. I've been surprised by the number of people that I've heard come out and say, oh, the Bucks are a terrific pick. Not only are they going to cover, but they're going to go to Phoenix and win. Like, they completely forgot what happened games one and two. Maybe they think this Chris Paul is going to continue to be in the series. I do not. I want to get to that in a quick moment. But um, do you have a play on
8: the side or total for tonight? Yeah, I'm going to play Phoenix. Just because you. they've been they've been so good at home, and it's not just Chris Paul's probably gonna be better. All their role players should be better. I mean, Cam Johnson's been pretty solid. Mikael Bridges has been almost invisible in Milwaukee. He'll probably be the one that benefits most from being at home. Jay Crowder has still been putting up numbers, but you know, impact wise, I don't know how big his impact has been. I really like Phoenix tonight in Game 5. There's so many people, just because of how Game 4 went and how strong it went for Milwaukee, I mean, you look at some of the numbers, it's, it's insane. Now, one thing Phoenix does have to do, at least a little bit more, is get to the rim. In Game 4, they only got to the rim 18% of the time considering they were last in the league in the regular season at getting to the rim, and they got to the rim 27% of the time in the regular season. They are just not getting a ton of easy shots. And in Game 4, Milwaukee made the math problem that much more of an issue for them because only 29% of shots from three, only 18% of shots from the rim. So 53% of their opportunities were coming from the mid-range. And while the mid-range isn't dead or anything like that, You can't have that high of a percentage come from the mid-range, especially when 28% of those are the long mid-range shots outside of 14 feet. That makes life so much harder on a team when you're losing the three-point battle and when you're turning the ball over as much as Phoenix did and when you're allowing as many offensive rebounds as they did. Like, Milwaukee had 19 more shots. Not going out on a limb. That's not happening again this series. Milwaukee, Phoenix, wherever the game is played – Phoenix will play better and do at least a little bit better on the boards. They're not going to win the rebounding battle, but at least if they don't turn the ball over and they keep it respectable on the boards, that leans heavily in favor of Phoenix.
5: Yeah, are they going to have that much of an advantage on the offensive boards? Are they going to turn the ball over that much? And is it going to be 15-0 on fast break points? I highly doubt it.
8: Yeah, Phoenix doesn't have the best transition defense but the thing is, it's all, it's all a cascading effect. If they can get to the rim a little bit more and get themselves more easy buckets, they won't feel the need to get into transition as much, which then allows Milwaukee to get into transition, and Milwaukee's a really good transition team mm-hmm. because of their size and athleticism. If Phoenix can slow this game down again, Milwaukee's half-court offense has sucked in this series. A 93 offensive rating. That's like 90s basketball style. That yeah. is gross. So if you can keep Milwaukee in the half court, then it's you're saying, okay, Giannis is going to probably do what he's going to do, but then you're banking on Chris Middleton to do what he just did on the road, or you're expecting Drew Holiday to do something for really the first time in this series. If I'm Phoenix, I'll take those chances. And that's Rick
5: Camp of You Better, You Bet and 444.com. I'm Joe Ostrowski. This is Early Odds on Sports Radio 670, The Score. And speaking of the Suns, let's talk some player props. And we'll start with the Phoenix side. It feels like this series has been a series of bounce back performances. You're waiting on the bounce back, or a player has the bounce back performance like we saw with Devin Booker the other day. Now the question is for game five going back home. Are we going to see the bounce back performance from Chris Paul? The props have it. 21 and a half points, eight and a half assists, three and a half rebounds, two and a half made threes. Are we going to get the good version of Chris Paul in this game? We're
8: definitely going to get a better version of Chris Paul. If I had to bet any of those, I think I might bet the threes because there's so much value there. I'm looking and I'm seeing plus 154 on the over. Milwaukee's goal so much is to keep Chris Paul away from his normal spots. Okay, maybe when he comes around those screens, he's pulling up every once in a while just to try and change up what he's doing and make Milwaukee react to it so then maybe he can get to his spots. Or if Drew Holiday is staying with Chris Paul, Devin Booker is doing a lot of what they did in game two and Devin Booker can be the one that's running more of the offense and Chris Paul gets some catch and shoot opportunities, which he's absolutely killer on. So if I had to rank them, I would probably play the threes first, then the assists and then the points for Chris Paul, because if all the other guys are going to be shooting better, that'll help the assists for Chris Paul sitting at eight and a half. So I haven't locked in any of them, but there's a decent chance I'll play the over two and a half threes.
5: Hey Rick. Should we tell the early odds listeners that Cam Johnson off the bench has been an ATM machine every game?
8: I mean, he's been the most recent one. It just depends (laughs) on the series for me, man. Like he's doing he is doing the Royce O'Neal thing. Yeah. Like he's doing the Devin Booker rebounds over thing against the Nuggets. I mean, there's been like one in every series, it feels like, where you can just take a prop to the bank. Just fed him.
5: Just bet him. The number's up a little bit, so it's at 9.5 yeah. on points. Are you still Are you still with
8: it? It did hit the other night. I was in on that one, too. Yeah, it's like even money from what I'm seeing at the moment, so I, I like that a lot. And then the other one on the Phoenix side that I like that missed one game, but I think it was because of Game 3 being such a blowout, Jay Crowder over 6.5 boards. It started the series at 5.5. Mm-hmm. He's been around a dozen to 13 uh, rebounding chances. In every game of this series, and he had eight last games. So when I'm making, you know, making a parlay here or there, I'm putting Crowder eight plus rebounds and getting some solid value on that. So I like Jay Crowder over six and a half boards. If you're thinking of getting into a little bit of the parlay action, I think Crowder eight plus rebounds is a really solid option.
5: All right, Crowder rebounds is Rick's favorite on the Phoenix side. Did you notice they finally lowered the point prop total for Drew Holiday after his
8: 4-for-20 performance? Yeah, I was wondering how long that was going to take. Jeez.
5: Yeah. Let's go already. I mean, come on. right? How how do you bet over on that guy? That's insane.
8: Right. I mean, you can only try and make fetch happen so many times. So, yeah, Drew Holiday down to 18-and-a-half does make more sense on the Milwaukee side I don't know. That that Chris Middleton under 25 and a half points is looking fairly juicy to me. Mm-hmm. I don't trust he's just has not been consistent. He's gonna get shot volume. That's one thing you always have to worry about, is he is going to get shot volume. It's just a matter of are they gonna go down? I trust Mikhail Bridges defensively to be able to put Middleton in tougher spots, not give him a good quality of shot, because that's also been a thing for uh Milwaukee throughout this series, has been a good shot quality. So as long as Middleton has to work for his. That's going to make the Milwaukee half-court offense a little bit worse, and it's going to make life difficult on Middleton, who does have to play both sides now. It's not like he can relax on defense. He has to be giving it on both ends of the court, so I don't trust him to have another good performance.
5: Also on the Bucks side, while well, many have been talking about Bobby Portis and what he's done over the last couple of series, I'm talking about Pat Connaughton. 32 minutes per game over the last three In two of those last three, he's taken at least nine shots, and he's getting a bunch of boards.
8: These Mm -hmm. Connaughton props, especially the threes made, have been hitting. Yeah, he's been shooting really well in the postseason on catch-and-shoot opportunities. Uh, 42%, if I remember right, on catch-and-shoot opportunities in the playoffs. So he's been really, really nice for them. A lot of times when you go small as a lineup, the goal is for better spacing and more shooting. That's not necessarily the case with Milwaukee, but Connaughton being able to shoot the way he has has made him more viable overall. And yeah, the over seven and a half points as it's been for pretty much the entire series has Mm -hmm. been money. So has the three pointers and yeah, even the rebounds as well. So I've really been making my money not on the stars in this series. It has been on a lot of the role players just because with so few guys playing now, all that usage is funneled in. So there's more opportunities than what you would think of for a guy like Pat Connaughton or maybe a guy like Cam Johnson. Are you going to give Tucker another try? I think we might need to have a day off. <laughs> After that big goose egg the other day? And it's oh. like, it's even one thing if he was like 0 for 5 and just his shot was off. He was 0 for 1 and barely even looked for his own shot. That's yeah. what gets me more than anything. So P.J. Tucker's been good to me in these playoffs, but uh, I'm not giving that a go, especially when he's away from home.
5: So we like Crowder over rebounds, Middleton under points, Connaughton and Cam Johnson
8: overs. Yep, I'm gonna keep riding those. Okay, am I missing anything? I'm still going through some of the some things because I do like to see how some of the juice moves throughout the day. Because you know what else am I doing? It's not like I have a life. So hey one thing you you're, you
5: only have a couple more of these. <laughs> I know you
8: got to maximize them. Yeah, you're going to be so sad when the season ends in six or seven. Joe, I have uh, on you better you bet. On days where there haven't been games, I've been trying to pick up RBI props as like my thing. How's that going? It started out great. <laughs> And then it didn't. They I hooked I, was you. Like, I was like, they, they hooked
5: you in. It's like the first time you go to Vegas, you're guaranteed to be a winner because they want you to come back. That's what happened with your RBI props. You were on fire. They got you hooked, and uh, you think you're some sort of an expert. They're like, uh uh-uh. uh. No, in, no.
8: in a week, I was up 10 units Jeez. starting. And in the two weeks since, I've given it all back. So. Yeah, I started out like I think it was like seven and two, and one of them was a home run prop too, so it was great. And then I've I've lost my last eight, so it's it's a rough market, and it's one that I'm still learning on. Like NBA, I've you know yeah. I've been doing this for a few years now. Everything else outside of you know NFL, I'm still learning. I'm still trying to figure them out, just like everybody else out there. So I'm catching that learning curve right now.
5: Yeah, you don't have it figured out. Trust me, you might have a good run. But uh, they're going to get us. You're going to give it back at least uh, a good amount. But the name of the game is finishing out ahead. And, of course, the entertainment value. Rick, are you one of these people freaking out about Team USA? now? no, no Beal, too, huh? Huh? Pop overrated? I saw it all in the last week.
8: My favorite thing that I saw was Pop has a better winning percentage with the Spurs than he does with Team USA as head oh, coach. Man. I'm not a big Olympic guy. Like I think it's cool. The, no- I do, the I novelty don't really of it's cool. Ca- I don't
5: really care either. You don't but- care
8: about JaVale McGee taking Kevin Love's spot on the roster?
5: Now, if, if there's value on one of these other countries,
8: I'd bet that in a second. I haven't looked at this. If there's a field option. Uh I would consider the field, like on You Better You Bet, we have Brian Scalabrini on, and he said if he had to bet something Olympic-wise, he would bet the field to win the gold, if that was an option.
5: Wow. Look at that. And your guy, Dame's leaving Portland. Is he still going to be your guy?
8: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It will be it'll be rough if he's a if he's a Nick because as I found as I just rediscovered in this playoffs. (laughs) Oh, I hate them. I hate them so much. And the thing is we (laughs) didn't realize how much we still hated them because they They weren't weren't relevant. Yeah, they weren't relevant for like twenty years, which I'm not using that as a huge slight because the Bulls are only slightly better than that. Which was great. Yeah. (laughs) Go back to that. Yeah, so (laughs) hating the Knicks is awesome, but like I also don't see the path to a deal for the Knicks. Because it's like, okay, R.J. Barrett and what? Well, they have extra picks from Dallas for Porzingis. Okay, there's that. They aren't going to be great picks. But other than Barrett, it also depends on we have to find out is Portland trying to just rebuild or are they going to keep trying to win too? Because if they're still trying to win, then you have to look down at Philly and say maybe something like Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxey, all the picks, maybe Thibel's involved as well just to get some semblance of defense on that roster. But I don't know what that's really doing for you if you're Portland. If it's them and you trade Dame, you might as well just blow the damn thing up and get picks and work from there. And let him Chauncey Billups can be like, what did I sign up for?
5: Yeah, What we do know is whenever they make the deal, if they're forced into it, they're going to lose a trade. They're going to get pennies on the dollar. That's just how these things are set up. Uh, Rick Camp, he will be hosting early odds next Saturday here on Sports Radio 670, The Score. Rick, thanks for all the knowledge. Good luck with all your bets tonight, and uh, people will enjoy what you have in store next week, all right? I hope they do. Fun as always, Joe. The Score listener line is open 24-7, 365, and by BetQL, Bet Smarter and Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Our weekly visit with celeb Jim Miller is next. I'll explain on the other side. Early odds, Saturdays, 8 to 9 a.m. on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. Broadcasting from The Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers, it's Joe Ostrowski here on Early Odds, Saturday mornings, 8 to 9 a.m., and each and every saturday we check in with our friend jim miller from hawthorne racecourse at hawthorne jim on twitter and speaking of twitter the illinois harness account the other day tweeted out a number of athletes check out the thread involved in harness racing you had greats like ali and Nikola Jokic, one of my favorites, hit on that 36-1 to 1 MVP ticket this year. Devin White, he could have been the Super Bowl MVP, but you got to give it to Brady when he gets a ring. George Foreman, Sam Bowie, Dan Plesak, see him all the time on
6: MLB Network. And then coming in at number seven is our guy, Jim Miller. Hey, Jim. How crazy is that to think some of those guys? Devin White was at Hawthorne like two weeks ago to watch one of his horses race. So that was very cool to see him out there. But, yeah, it's – uh. It's company I probably should not necessarily be associated with because I'm nowhere near their level. But hey, what an honor. It was very, very cool. So uh, a, a lot of fun, a lot of fun to see those names. And it's weird when you can see the crossover amongst sports. So see those amount of people that have been involved in racing and really big names. mean, you you mentioned Jokic. He, he was out driving harness horses like two days after his season was over. So wow. very, very, very cool to see. And I'll take it. We'll put it at that. I'll take it, Joe.
5: Jokic is my guy forever, but I was going to say, like, I think the order's messed up. You need to be above Foreman, right?
6: (laughs) You know, I mean, I don't know what a heavyweight Certainly Sam Bowie. Certainly Sam Bowie. We can go there. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I should be (laughs) way above him. So way more accomplishments, but it was cool. It was a lot of fun. I'm I'm glad they did the research for that. It, It does show the amount of history in the sport and the history at Hawthorne, but, uh, very, very cool stuff. I'm actually up in my alma mater today, checking things out for my daughter to possibly go there. That's how old I'm feeling right about now, Joe. But, hey, still a lot of fun.
5: Well, as you know, I'm very familiar with that conference. Went to a lot of Division three basketball games as a youth. So uh, th- that would be very cool. Very cool. Well, speaking of pitchers that didn't quite make the majors, how about Dave Jous? the late yes, bill house's son how right. awesome was that on monday how he was just putting him in the same spot after spot for pete alonzo i i would say give a strong assist so alonzo could repeat as the home
6: run king at the derby you talk about serving him up and that's exactly what he did almost the same spot every single time got the guy in a rhythm and was able to keep going. That's the reason he won. I mean, I, you, you know, my guy was Juan Soto. We got our first round, round upset of Shohei Otani, but oh, nobody was, was beating Alonzo.
5: That was the highlight of the evening, though. After the matchup of Otani and Soto, and they were dragging it out a while, it, it felt like the college football season. As we got to the end, well, we already we already hit the climax midway yep. through. Like That was the exciting part, not uh, the last couple rounds, even though it was really cool to see a great dude in Trey Mancini make it that far.
6: And it was so cool. And just the story, and that's really what you want for just a PR standpoint, is the story of Trey Mancini doing what he did. And he's a very humble guy. I mean, he's a guy that's a very good athlete, but man, he held his own. I think a lot of people didn't think he could hold his own in a competition like this. He did so. And he put some pressure on Alonzo going into the final. So it was a lot of fun. It was a good night. I enjoyed that even more than the All-Star Game Joe. Thought it was a blast. I love the fact that you could wager on it now. And that just brought a whole nother aspect into the competition.
5: Oh, that was really cool. Watching as they advanced round by round, uh, the different odds. And Alonzo was such a huge favorite into that second round because you knew the Soto Otani winner was going to be completely tired out. And they were right. And Alonzo just crushed it early. So he was a favorite moving forward. And the books were right on that one. And uh, taking a look this weekend, we've got day three of the Open Championship going on. And next week at this time, the Olympics will be underway. So plenty to bet on, including NBA Finals Game 5 tonight. What's the deal going on with the PointsBet app?
6: Yeah, Joe, I mentioned last week I thought the Suns were going to roll through them. I thought a lot of people did. But man, now you're on to a Game 5 that's very meaningful and PointsBet's been doing different promotions throughout the course of the playoffs, and this one is a great one. It's a risk-free, $25 risk-free, single-game parlay on the NBA Finals. So go out there, make a three-legger more parlay. You can go up to $25. If you hit it, great, you cash. If you don't hit it, they're putting the $25 right back in your account. So again, risk-free wager, you want to go after it. It's something where you can kind of get exposed to some new wagers, find maybe a player that can score a lot, get a lot of rebounds and a victory, time together and try to make some money.
5: Home teams and favorites, 4-0 and straight up, 4-0 and against the spread in the NBA Finals. Is
6: that going to happen throughout? Are we going to get to seven? Is it going to come back to Phoenix another time? It sure looks like it because the home teams are dominating pretty much every game. The only thing that changed, I think, in game four was it took a really good fourth quarter by the Bucks to pull that game out. But every other game, the home team has been pretty much in control the whole way through. I think we're going seven now, and that would be great yeah. for the NBA. It's it's an incredible series. It's a really a nice way to kind of encapsulate that entire season.
5: Yeah, the other night flipped everything. You could have made a strong case that if Phoenix were to steal that one, this one was going to wrap in five, but the Bucs yep. take that game. They're playing some strong basketball right now, and uh, this thing looks like it's going to be a seven-game NBA Finals, and I don't think the commissioner would complain about that. Jim, what about the horses today? What are we
6: thinking? Yeah. Yeah, three horses at Hawthorne tonight, all of them, I think you can make some money on. Race 4, bet the 4, Suddenly Royal to win in place. Race 10, bet the 9, Roland Cole across the board. And then race 12, bet the 4, Lose Abigail to win in place. All horses that should provide some value and can make us some money. Jim Miller over at Hawthorne Racecourse. Thank you, as always, Jim. You got it. Thanks, Joe. Have a good weekend.
5: Do the same, Jim, and I hope you, the Early Odds listener, enjoys the weekend. We gave you plenty of betting angles on the NBA Finals with Rick Camp and an MLB trade deadline slash second-half preview. If you missed any of that, use the Rewind feature on the Odyssey app or subscribe. Listen to the Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski podcast. Campy is in for me next week. Follow me on Twitter at Joe0670, at Joe0670. Instagram by my name, Joe Ostrowski. Post there once in a while. Really sold it, didn't I? Yeah, once in a while you can catch my post. Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw is next. Cash tons of tickets and keep it locked. Here on 670 The Score.